Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. I am so happy that you are here today, and I believe that God will speak to you through His Word, and that His anointed Word will strengthen you, and it will empower you to do all that He has called you to do, and all that He has called you to be. Praise God. Now, let's take our Holy Bibles and go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. I want to show you one verse that I, I believe that many of you probably already have memorized, but let's take a look at it. We're going to use this verse to build faith in their hearts as we bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Now, Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give. And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, the action that gets all of this rolling is that first word, give. Give, and it will be given to you. In other words, if you want a harvest, you have to sow seed. And we're going to honor the Lord today and bring the tithes and the offerings into God's storehouse. And I want to share with you just for a moment about our next project. Our next project is titled Internet Studio Refresh. Now, this is a refresh for the Internet Studio. We actually have two studios for the internet. Now, this is not television. The television studio is separate. That's in Charlotte. But when we stream on the internet, there are two sets that we have. This is one right here that you're looking at through the lens of the camera and the set that is behind me, the mural and the decorations and so forth. This was done in the year 2012. And you know what, my friends, it's time for a refresh. Woo, praise the Lord. Let's do a refresh. Now, we also have the, the Wednesday morning glory set, which is right over on the other side in another room here in the same building. And that really needs to be refreshed also. What's taking place is that, of course, the internet Outreach of the ministry is growing, but as we are expanding through television, people see the Pure Gold television program that I host and teach on television, and many think, well, I, I like that, I enjoy that, and what they end up doing is drifting over to the ministry website because they want to have more uh, spiritual resources that they can connect to. They come to the website, and the website gives them the opportunity to watch these online messages. So, since God's Word is being presented, let's present it in the best possible platform that we can. Let's do a refresh. Praise God. Um, it's just 
it's been wonderful, and we thank God for it. But after uh, almost nine years, it's time to it's time to do something fresh. Praise the Lord. Doesn't mean we have to go crazy, but it does mean that let's let's upgrade it and update it. The budget for this project, and this this includes both internet studios, the one that's right here, and it'll be everything that's back behind me and so forth, and will also include the other room as well. The budget. The total budget is $12,000, okay? That will allow us to make these changes. That will allow us to do the technical things that we need to work into it as well so that it looks as good as possible. And number two, so that it also sounds as good as possible. You, uh, you always want good video, but sometimes what people don't realize is the thing actually that carries the, the greatest Weight is actually the audio. You want really good audio. And we need to make some adjustments on the audio uh, on the Wednesday morning show. We need to bump that up to a higher level. We really need to get that. And also this room into uh, digital instead of analog audio. It will sound a lot clearer, cleaner, and better. So these are, uh, these are upgrades we want to make as well as visually we want to make those upgrades as well. So Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that, uh, that you use or whatever measure it is that, you're, that it is when you give into this project, Jesus said it will be measured back to you. So I would just ask you to do what the Holy Spirit is placing upon your heart. Give and it will be given unto you because you're giving into the kingdom work and we want to present even on the internet. We want to present the gospel in a very professional manner. Now some people would say, "Well, Pastor Stephen, it's just the internet." You know, you're on YouTube, you're on, you know, live stream or Facebook and that's just binge eating. Well, you know, if people want to come and binge on the Word of God, well, I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, watch all the programs you want, one after another, back to back. <laughs> and we'll, we'll make it look as good as possible. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It, 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 internet is different from TV, but even still, we want to do Internet with excellence. So thank you for standing with us as we move now into this refresh project for the two Internet studios let me pray for you as you will be sowing into this. And let me also pray for you as you're bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people, that they are champion givers. They're gracious givers. And together we have accomplished so much already over the years. And we're moving forward into greater glory and into greater dimensions. And Father, we just thank you for the grace, the ability to refresh things and to give it the new look and the better technology. We thank you for this. Father, for the $12,000 that we need for this project, we just call it in in the name of Jesus. And as your people sow seed, we thank you, Father God, that they are sowing upon that word of Luke chapter 6, verse 38, so that when they give, they're sowing seed. When they give, it's going to be given back to them, and it's going to be multiplied over, coming back to them, Father God, as good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's going to be poured into their bosom. We thank you for the increase in the lives of your people off these seeds that are sown. We thank you, Father, with the seed, with the measure that they are giving. It's going to be measured back 
to them. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for breakthroughs and money miracles and financial increase and expansion in their lives. And we thank you, Father God, for the many people around the world that will benefit from watching these programs uh, in a way that uh, catches the fish. Father, we thank you. Sometimes the fish need a little eye candy, so we'll give them some eye candy to look at. We'll, we'll give them some nice backdrops and backgrounds and things like that. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the privilege of being involved in the ever-increasing expansion of your kingdom. And I thank you, Father, for blessing your people as they are sowing into this special creative project for the two internet studios to be refreshed. Father, thank you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, as you are bringing the tithe and as you are sowing the seed into this kingdom work, if you would like to bring them in through regular mail, you can do so. Please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code is 28654. Now, if you want to go online and you want to bring the tithe and the special offering in over the internet, you can do that. It's very safe, highly encrypted, and secure. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings. You can bring them in right there. Now, if you want to give your offering there as well, make a little notation and say that this is for the internet studio refresh. We also have a hitter on the website. One of the hitters says projects, and you'll see the project there that's being designated for the internet studios refresh. You could go there if you want. It's the same, same place, same thing. It will bring it into the same account and it just needs to be designated so that we know to put it towards that special use. Praise God. By the way, speaking of a refresh, we are having a brand new website that is being built out, and I've already seen it behind the scenes, and that's not quite complete yet, but what it is, we will transition over to that. Still a lot of things to plug in as the web team is really working on that. They're doing a fantastic job, but everything is being upgraded and refreshed. Everything is being strengthened. We are doing all that we can to present the gospel uh, in a way that we are utilizing the best technology that is out there. And the new website will have all of that new technology built into it that allows all of the devices that are out there to sync so much better with the new site when you go to it. It's going to be really nice. So together, we are doing a lot for the Lord, and we are very, very thankful for your support, your giving, and your prayers. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let's go into today's message, which is actually found in the good gospel of Dr. Luke, St. Luke, chapter 17. We're going to start today in verse 11, and I want to talk about the ten lepers and how they were healed as they went. And I think that this is a method of divine healing that doesn't get the attention that it deserves because there are a lot of healings that take this same route. The bottom line is, is that 
If you get healed, you're healed. You'll take it however it will come because it sure beats being sick. But I need you to understand how consistent and smooth this method is because it could be the method that God uses to bring the blessing in, into your life as well. Now, let's pray before we jump into the sermon today. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and quicken the scripture that would be a living word, that this would be spiritual food that feeds our inner man. We thank you, Father God. This also blesses our soul and it makes us happy. And we thank you for the great miracles and healings that you are doing in our lives. We give you all of the praise and we believe we receive in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Well, we don't need to skip over this verse. I think it's important that we address it. And I would like to spend just a few minutes on this verse. And I'm actually going to correct about 200. It's actually longer than that. Probably about 300 years of wrong teaching concerning this verse I just read to you. Now, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about when I'm speaking of wrong teaching concerning this verse. Here's just one example of countless ones. Uh, one commentator actually wrote in his commentary that Jesus never would have traveled this route of having passed through Samaria. And this commentator even went so far to say that Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, he said that Luke was confused with his topography. Well, honestly, the only person confused was the commentator. Oh, yes, a good theologian who in many ways had good knowledge of the Word of God. But whenever people tried to say that the Bible has made a mistake, uh, you can just take it to the bank. The Bible didn't make a mistake. They made a mistake. So, again, it says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And you can go to 90, 99 out of 100 Bible commentaries on this subject, and it will tell you that this can't be right. Because there was so much hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. There's no way, there's no way Jesus would pass through Samaria. Well, it says he did. And my friends, he did. And the new research Having dug into the scriptures and having dug into rabbinical literature proves overwhelmingly that the Bible is right and they went right through the middle of Samaria. Now, there was another route that went over to the east side that was about twice as long and took you through blistering desert and also had a much higher uh, gradient of uh, altitude change and stuff like that. And the theologians say, oh, that's the route Jesus took because there was such hatred with the Samaritans that they would just double the length of the journey because they couldn't stand to be around them. That's not true. That is not true. And we are finding out now through deeper research that the Bible was right all the time. Now, there was another route but they never took it. That route was for a different purpose. That is, if you were going over into the land of the modern-day Jordan. Now, 
the reason there has been such misunderstanding about Jesus passing through the middle of, of Samaria and Galilee uh, largely was an overreaction to the scripture of John chapter 4 verse 9. And the scripture says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This verse has caused many authors and Bible commentators to teach that Jews in the first century avoided travel through Samaria due to the hatred that existed between them and the Samaritans. It was taught that they took the much longer route that I just mentioned going eastward and totally uh, looping around that entire region. Now, here's the truth. It is mentioned in three different occasions that Jesus traveled directly through Samaria. Three different occasions. I won't list them all. Here's one right here, which would be Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now, we also know that Philip the Evangelist, who was a Jew, traveled through Samaria, the same region as well, in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. We also know that Peter and John took the same route and cut right through, through the middle of Samaria in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. We also know that Paul and Barnabas took the exact same route, went right through the middle of that whole region. There in Acts chapter 15, verse 30, they traveled right through the middle of Samaria. And it doesn't show that when they made those journeys that they, they had any type of concern about taking that route. They just went right ahead and they made their journey. Now, we have also learned from early writings of Levitic literature that in the first century, in a similar way to Jesus and his immediate disciples, the ancient rabbis also traveled through Samaria, when they were going from Jerusalem and they were going north up through Samaria, they went right through the middle. They never took that long loop over to the side. We see that in a quotation from the Jerusalem Talmud in a section called Avoda Zarah 5, chapter 5, verse 4. It says, Rabbi Shimon ben Eleazar went to a certain town inhabited by Samaritans. So here you have a Jewish rabbi cutting right up through the middle of Samaria. Elsewhere we read in the same Jerusalem Talmud that Rabbi Ishmael ben Yosef went to the town of Neapolis. Well, well, Neapolis is actually modern-day Nablus, which is in northern Samaria. So he also, as a rabbi living in that first century, went right up from Jerusalem, straight up right through the middle of Samaria. Praise the Lord. The Tosefta states that Jewish herdsmen were allowed to leave cattle in the care of the Samaritans when they were being driven through that region. I think that's amazing. We also see in the Jerusalem Talmud that it says Samaritan territory is ritually clean and its ritual immersion pools, dwellings, and paths that's very important. And paths, the, the, the roads they journeyed on, are assumed to be ritually clean. And that is the teaching from the rabbis, that that route was a uh, ritually clean path that you could journey on. In fact, in the Jerusalem Talmud, it actually says, cooked food prepared by Samaritans is permitted 
to be eaten. Woo! Praise the Lord. So, my friends, it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus made that direct path. Praise the Lord. Here's one more, one more story to back it up. The first century historian whose name was Josephus. And anytime you really begin to study the New Testament scriptures, you're going to come across the writings and the, uh, the teachings of Josephus because it brings color to the story. It puts meat on the bones because he was a contemporary of the apostles and he wrote as a historian, about the same time in which the New Testament was being written. He was born and grew up in the land of Israel, and therefore Josephus possessed firsthand familiarity with the geography of Israel, the religious, cultural, and social dynamics of the land. He was a Jew, and this is what he said, for rapid travel, it was essential to take that route by which Jerusalem may be reached in three days from Galilee. What route was that? Going straight up through Samaria. He also said that it was the custom of the Galileans when they came to the holy city, which would be Jerusalem, at the time of the festivals, to take their journeys through the country of the Samaritans. Praise the Lord. Amazing. So there we have it from many different witnesses that what we see here in Luke chapter 17 verse 11 is true. Praise God. What does that mean, Pastor Stephen? It means you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Word of God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, it was just a book written by a bunch of old men. Well, it, th those men were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it is God-breathed, and it is accurate. Woo! Woo! All the way. All the way to every word in there. It is straight from the Lord. Praise God. Now, one more interesting thing, since we are mentioning passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, let me go modern day, if I can, with you just for a moment. Samaria is never called Samaria by the news media. They don't want to use that, that Jewish name for that area of land. And if you ever hear it mentioned on the news, it's always called the West Bank. And you think, well, why would it be called the West Bank when it's a little bit northeast of Israel? That's because it's being called West Bank from the mindset of the Jordanians. And it is true that from Jordan's perspective, it is to their west. It is westward of the Jordan River. But West Bank is a political term that is used by many of the Arabs who hate Israel and refuse to acknowledge that Israel has a right to their own sovereign land. So when the word or the phrase West Bank is used, it's actually being used to create a false narrative concerning who actually owns the land, because they'll never say the land of Samaria. Oh, that, that's a Jewish term. Don't use that. Use the term West Bank. So if you hear reporters saying West Bank, those are people who have been pumped full of fake news, and they are trying to create a narrative, whether they know it or not, of who really owns the land. Well, I'm, I'm saying that God 
gave that land to the Jewish people. And the right phrase would be that land is the land of Samaria. If you're dealing with the southern part of Israel, that is the land of Judea. And trust me, the news media will never say Judea. They'll never say in the same phrase, Judea and Samaria, unless they are Christian reporters. <laughs> Why? Those, those names are in harmony with centuries and millennia of Jewish ownership of the land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. By the way, I'm not a supporter of any type of peace treaty. I know that Mr. Jared Kushner, under the leadership of President Trump, has tried to put together this so-called peace plan. And I know the Palestinians, they've already said no to it. They said it's, uh, you know, holding the map up, it looks like a piece of Swiss cheese. Well, the, the problem is, is that land doesn't belong to the Palestinians in the first place. And any time you have a treaty that gives away any of Israel's land, which is God's property given to his people, then you're already making a mistake. Even if you give away an inch, it's already a mistake. It will bring an awful judgment upon anybody who's involved in that. So, for the sake of the president, I'm glad really that that doesn't seem to be on the cooker in the sense the Palestinians have already rejected it. But it was a, it was a bad it was a bad plan. There is no good plan. The only one the only one who can solve the Middle East peace or excuse me the conflict in the Middle East is the Lord Jesus Christ, because he will be truthful about who the land really belongs to. Mm -mm. Do you know that that so-called peace plan that uh, Mr. Kushner drew up with his team, that if that went through, Israel would lose over 100 of some of their most valuable archaeology sites. And if those sites, which present, you know, thousands of years of the heritage and the lineage of the Jews in the land, if those sites come under Palestinian control and Palestinian ownership. They'll all be destroyed. They'll take bulldozers and they'll destroy every single vestige of Jewish identity in that land. So the, the, whole, the whole plan is, it just can't work. And so if you can't have peace without giving away land, well, then you have to just resolve to hold firm and say, well, we're not giving away any land. And if there's no peace because that's not agreeable, then we're just going to have to wait till the Messiah comes back physically and sets this order and, uh, you know, gives his judgment on it. Well, from his word, he has already given judgment on it, and the land rightfully belongs to the Jews. Woo! Praise the Lord. If you believe it, shout amen. Praise God. Now, that's verse uh, 11. Let's see if we can get past the first verse and dig into the day's story a little bit. We're going to move on now to verse 12. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. So, along the journey, there's a village. The men are outside of the village. They're lepers. I'm sure that there were people in the village that would have compassion and would give some food and would give some alms and do some things like that. But they can't come into that city. They are outside of the city. Ten men who were, le who were lepers. Let's not just skip over that real quick. Let's think about that for a moment. What is leprosy? 
Leprosy, also called Hansen's disease, is a contagious disease. One way it spreads is from person to person. But the reality of leprosy is that it is actually hard to catch. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about 95% of humans are immune to the bacteria that causes this disease. So that's good news. Because so many people are immune, how we catch it, according to the Disease Control Center, is still somewhat of a mystery. Scientists have learned that to catch leprosy, a healthy person must have months of close contact with someone who has leprosy. It's believed that the disease spreads when a person who has leprosy coughs or sneezes. When a healthy person repeatedly breathes in the infected droplets, this is most likely what is causing the spread of the disease. However, it takes a lot of exposure to catch leprosy. If someone has leprosy, a handshake, or a few hours spent sitting next to that person will not spread the disease. You'd have to shake hands and sit next to that person for days, literally, before you could ever be in risk of catching that uh, disease of leprosy. Now, this is important to know. If you live in the Southwest or if you live in Texas, you can get leprosy from an armadillo. I know they're cute. I know they look like something that survived from the prehistoric dinosaur days, but please don't go around and pick up and hug armadillos. It's possible to catch leprosy by handling an armadillo or spending time in an area where these animals live. Let's come back to the armadillo in just a moment. How is leprosy cured? Antibiotics are able to cure leprosy. They work by killing the bacteria that causes leprosy. While antibiotics can kill the bacteria, they cannot reverse the damage caused by the bacteria. If you already have a disability, such as loss of feeling or blindness, of course, something like loss of a finger or an ear, that's permanent. Antibiotics cannot reverse the damage that has been done to the body. Mm -mm. Thank God Jesus can. Hallelujah. But antibiotics, they can't go into that realm. How can leprosy be prevented? Well, first of all, never pick up an armadillo. Now, I know some of you in, in other nations, uh, certain countries, maybe like India, where there uh, are areas where leprosy is still prevalent. Uh, there's no armadillos there that I know of. But nevertheless, for those of you that live in the Southwest, uh, don't pick up or handle an armadillo because they carry the bacteria that causes leprosy. Number two, stay out of places where you find armadillos. One patient who was diagnosed with leprosy had been clearing overgrown wild brush where armadillos had been found to have been living for more than 20 years. Another person, a lady who uh, caught leprosy, uh, gardened in her backyard. But this was also in an area where several armadillos were known to have lived. And of course, if you uh, start to have serious issues with your skin, you would want to see a dermatologist. That way the diagnosis can be made. And if the disease is caught in the early stages, it can be knocked out by these very, very powerful 
uh, drugs that they have, these antibiotics. And the, uh, the antibiotics are real strong. And the doctors, what they'll do is they'll put the patient on it for about six months, sometimes even up to a year, just to totally kill all that bacteria and destroy it. But my friends, this is, this is awful stuff back in those days. Um, in many ways, we can knock it out today. In some rural areas of the world, it still persists. But, you know, I read the story, the life story of St. Damien. He was a Catholic priest who lived on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. And those of you that are watching me from Hawaii, you will know exactly what I'm talking about because you have different beautiful islands that make up the state of Hawaii. And you have Oahu and you have uh, Kauai and you have Lanai and you, you have all these beautiful islands. But the least visited island is Molokai. And it used to be that you could only get, uh, get to that island with the doctor's permit. It was called the Forbidden Island. And back in the 1800s, particularly around the 1860s, uh, St. Damien showed up around 1863. Now, at that time, he wasn't a saint. It was, he was Brother Damien. But he went there on purpose to minister to the lepers. And the only people living on the island were lepers. Nobody else was allowed because if you were on the mainland and they found out you had leprosy, they would take you from your family and uh, regardless of your age, and they would just take you to the island, drop you off. So the only people living on the island were lepers. And when St. Damien got there, it was a disaster. Um, there was no housing. There was no way they could take a bath. There was uh, a total breakdown. There was no societal rule. Uh, you had bullies who would intimidate, who would do cruel things. There, there were awful things taking place. And then when you did die, what they would do, because there, there was no burial, they would take your body and throw it over a ravine. And there at the bottom of the ravine was a whole her, a giant herd of wild pigs. And the wild pigs would just eat the bodies. And so there was no dignity. There was no dignity in anything. So he showed up. He said, the first thing we have to do is we have to start building some houses for these people. And he lived on the island, and he started getting houses built for them. There was still not a cure at that time. But he tried to do all he could to ease the pain and suffering so that, that uh, the people knew that if, if you died and you were a leper, you would at least be buried. And they, they would, he would also do things where he would uh, make available for them a hot bath. And uh, he stopped all the bullying. Uh, he established compassion and love. And, of course, he's preaching the gospel to them. And he stayed there for about 12 years. And because he never pulled away and took breaks and he was around them all the time and they didn't know how the disease spread, he eventually ended up getting it himself. He became a leper and he died. Now, when he died, they took his body back to Bel Belgium because he was originally from Belgium, but they sent his right hand back to the island. <laughs> so <laughs> his body is buried in Belgium, but his right hand is buried on the island. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And even today, Molokai is still the least visited of all the Hawaiian islands. Now, this leprosy, my friends, was awful. Awful. The, the smell. Uh, hard to describe uh, the smell of riding human flesh. This is very difficult stuff here. Let's continue on with the story. They stood afar off. Now, they stood afar off because they were required to by Mosaic law. It says in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 45 through 46, 
Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Well, it's very sad, but at the same time, you have to put them outside of the camp because you don't want everybody getting affected and everybody dying. So at that time, leprosy was incurable. It was a death sentence. It was contagious, and you lived in forced isolation, and it was often, here's the difficult time, excuse me, here's, here's the extra hard element during the time of the Lord's day. It was often viewed as a judgment of God. So if you had leprosy, people viewed you with not much compassion because they thought, well, you deserved it. You obviously have done something wicked or sinful or wrong. That's why you got it. And so there wasn't a lot of compassion going around for lepers. It was absolutely awful. Now, Luke chapter 17, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices. Now, there's a unity here. Because even amongst the outcast, they have a, what we would call a leper colony. And they have banded together. So there is a unity in what they're crying out and what they're expressing. And sometimes these uh, difficult scenarios that you may face in life may place you in company that you might not prefer. But nevertheless, you all have a common denominator. So here you are grouped together. Now, this little group, un uh, unbeknownst to them, is about to be disbanded and they have been together for who knows how long, maybe for years and years, but something dramatic is going to happen and they've, they've gotten to know each other, but that's all about to end. They're going to separate and they're going to go different directions because of what is about to take place. So they're still all together, banded together. They're lifting up their voices in a unity and they're saying, Jesus master have mercy on us. Now, the first thing you'll notice is that this is a different uh, request or statement because if it was a normal stranger passing by, the response of a leper would be alms for the poor, alms for us lepers. But they're not asking for alms. They're saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In other words, they knew who he was. Now, how does faith come? We are told in God's Word in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing. So, what do you suppose these ten lepers have heard? They have heard something about the miracle ministry of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I would go so far to say that they have heard testimonies and reports that this man is the Messiah, this man is the miracle worker, and even lepers by the hundreds have been healed under his anointed ministry. And they probably thought, whoo, and he's passing by right now. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, they knew who he was. And you have to understand, that's how faith comes comes by hearing and you must be continually hearing that fresh rhema word of God that's what builds faith 
Praise the Lord. Verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now this is, this is fascinating. Now from a new covenant perspective, if we look into this having the knowledge of the new covenant, if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it lists the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, what you see manifesting right here through the ministry of Jesus is the supernatural word of wisdom. Out of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom is listed first. Why? It is the preeminent gift. It is the most important of all the nine gifts. And here it is right now being manifested through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And the word of wisdom comes forth. Jesus picks up on it by the Holy Spirit. And he says to those men, go, show yourselves to the priest. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do you know that that was a supernatural word of wisdom? Well, I can prove it to you. Um, you can get on a plane and fly somewhere and find some lepers and just go up to them and say, say to them, go show yourself to the priest. And if they get up and go try to find the priest, uh, uh, see if they get healed. See, here's, here's two rules regarding the supernatural manifestation of the word of wisdom. Rule number one, if you obey it, it will always work 100% of the time. Anytime there is a valid, genuine word of wisdom manifested to you by the Holy Spirit, you can take it to the bank. It will work 100% of the time that you obey it. Number two, number two rule is you cannot take somebody else's word of wisdom that God gave to them. You cannot take their word and try to make it work for yourself. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Now, the question has been presented. Pastor Stephen, would they have been healed if they didn't go? In other words, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. What would have happened if they didn't go? Oh, I'll tell you exactly what would have happened. They would not. They absolutely would not have been healed. Let's ask another question. Would Naaman... The Syrian army leader would Naaman have been healed if he did not bathe in the Jordan River seven times? See, the word came through Elisha the prophet. He shared the word with the servant. Go tell, go tell Naaman this is what he's supposed to do. This is the word of wisdom God would have him to do. Go take a bath seven times in the Jordan River. And that the and you know, Naaman really fought that word because to him it seemed crazy. And from an intellectual perspective, it didn't make any sense. But nevertheless, it was the word that came from on high. What would have happened to Naaman if he didn't do it? Would he have been healed of leprosy? No. No. The blessing comes through the obedience of that word. Mm -mm. But we know that Naaman bathed seven times, and when he came up out of the Jordan River, his skin was like that of a young child. 
Mm-mm. And we also know that they went. They heard that word of wisdom. A word of wisdom will always have an instruction attached to it. And the instruction was, go show yourself to the priest. And my friends, that's exactly what they did. They got moving, praise God. Now, Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, from where they're at, their little base camp, outside of the, the small town there in Samaria, they're still about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. So it's not like they can just, you know, quickly go to, the, uh, to Jerusalem and uh, see a priest there. But that's okay. They could still easily locate a priest in one of the communities that would have been located outside of Jerusalem. The priest who were the direct descendants of Aaron were not given a territorial allotment there in the promised Canaan land. Instead, they were allocated 13 cities with their pasture lands where they could live there and dwell there and have their little home and have uh, raise their cattle and so forth. But even the homes, they didn't own the homes. It was just all things they, that they would have at their availability, but they did not own those things. Praise the Lord. Now, we see this displayed in the book of Numbers, chapter 35, verses 1 through 3. They, that would be the priest, they shall have the cities to dwell in, that would be the 13 cities, and their common land shall be for their cattle, for their herds, and for all their animals. Command the children of Israel that they give the Levites cities to dwell in from the inheritance of their possession, and you shall also give the Levites common land around the cities. So you had the priest, and you had the Levites who were the servants to the priest, and they had these areas allocated to them for their usage. So it would not have been difficult for these ten lepers to conveniently find a priest that would have been close by. Now, why did Jesus specifically direct them to go to the priest? Number one, in order to obey the Mosaic law. And they're still under the law. Christ has not died yet at the cross. Christ has not yet gone to Calvary. So, uh, he is fulfilling the law. He is in the, in the role of fulfilling it, but the law was still functioning for the people. So, number one, it was required to obey the Mosaic law, and so that the priests could certify their healing. It, make it official. Have the priest check you out. And the priests were specifically trained in all the various forms of leprosy and skin disease, and they had the ability to pronounce unclean. They had the, the ability to examine, and if it was all gone, they could certify that you were clean and allow you to come back into the community. Now, number two reason of why I believe the Lord wanted these 10 men to go to the priest would be that these 10 men would healed and cleansed would be a very powerful witness to the priest because it's going to spread throughout the priesthood. This is not normal to have ten men who were lepers show up completely cleansed and healed. Well, that's, that news is like, that's going to go everywhere throughout the entire priesthood. So this is a witness 
that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah of Israel. Praise God. Now, let's continue on. This is a very, very heavyweight statement. As they went, they were cleansed. Woo! Hallelujah! Faith and works blended together in a very beautiful, harmonious way. As they went, they were cleansed. Not every healing, I would even say that not even every miracle is always instantaneous. I'm sure you've noticed that. Praise the Lord. There have been many times when I have prayed for people who were sick or had a disease, had something wrong with their bodies, I would pray for them, and the anointing, I could sense spiritually the anointing, God's healing power flowing through me into their bodies, flowing from the Lord through me, because I'm a vessel that the Lord is working through, flowing through me, that anointing going into their bodies, and I would tell them, the healing power of God has gone into your body, and so often they would say, I can sense that, I, I, can, sense, I can sense it. So my instructions would be, you have taken it by faith, now claim your healing, stand in faith that it's finished, and walk it out. And I can't even begin to tell how many testimonies of when the person who was prayed for that night or the day before, they would wake up the next morning and every symptom gone. Every symptom gone. What happened? They were healed as they went. As they went back home after the conference. As they went back home after the church service. As they went back home after I administered to them. As they went. As they went. They were healed. Well, I don't see anything. I don't notice anything different, Pastor Stephen. Looks like it's still there. No, no. No. You take that anointing. You take that anointing. Now, in this case, they're taking that word. That, in other words, the Lord's not sending them there for exercise. <laughs> and they also know, hey, something's got to happen because if all ten of us show up and we walk in there full-blown leprosy, they're going to say, ah, you're going to infect us all, you know, and probably kill them or something like that. So, you know, this has to be the real thing. So, my friends, you take it and you stand on it, praise God, and that word, that anointing, Works, 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 and manifest, and it just goes away. That disease, that sickness goes away. Here's a question. If my healing is not instantaneous, what should I do? My answer would always be this. Stay in faith and keep on walking. If you have received that anointing, you were in a service or in a meeting, and a mighty anointing was administered to you, stand on it, praise God. Hallelujah, because Jesus told me in a vision years back, he came to me in a vision and he said, he said, do you remember when you had strep throat? I said, yes, Lord, I remember that. And he said, what did you do? I said, I went to the doctor and I got a shot of an antibiotic called penicillin. And I said, within 30 minutes, I was already feeling better. And I said, within a few hours, it was, there was no symptom. I was totally healed. He said, now my anointing works the same way. And he told me this. He said, I've, he said, I have given you a healing anointing. 
And he said, tell the people. And the reason he wants me to tell the people is to build faith in the people. Okay. So he said, tell the people that when you lay your hands on them and pray for them, he said, when my anointing goes into them, he said, tell them to receive it by faith. And many will see that the anointing will work. And he said, for some, the healing will manifest immediately. He said, for others, the healing will manifest in three, six, or nine hours, and for others, it will manifest the next day. But he said, tell them to take it by faith the moment that anointing glows into their body. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So what are those lepers doing? They're walking by faith while the symptoms of leprosy are still physical to their eyes. While the pain is still there, while the goo is still oozing out, while the stench is still there, they're still walking. They're still walking. Mm. Woo! Heavyweight. That's heavyweight faith. I love it. Praise God. They were cleansed as they went. Praise God. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Your physical healing may be instant. I've had instant healings before. But it could be that as the Lord touches you with this anointing, that you get better gradually, and the disease, the sickness, whatever it was that has troubled you, just, it dematerializes. It goes away. And you get stronger and stronger each day. Let's say that you need financial healing. You need you use physical healing. Maybe you need also financial healing. Pastor Stephen, I'm believing God for instant deliverance, instant financial bailout program, a financial miracle. Praise God. Well, if God chooses to do it like that, that's wonderful. But see, as long as you cross the finish line, you still made it there. A healing is a healing, regardless of how it comes. So it could be that God just helps you to pay down, pay down the bill, pay down the bill, pay down the bill, and that anointing keeps flowing, and before you know it, the whole thing's paid off, and it's gone. So the result is the same. It's gone. Praise the Lord. I'm delivered. I'm free. Hallelujah. So it's good. My friends, please do not neglect or belittle a method of divine healing that is actually scriptural. Mm -mm. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe God has a miracle for you that as you keep on going, it's going to manifest in a full degree. Thank you, Jesus. Let's continue with the story. Now, verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Now, you will come to a place where the physical manifestation is there, where you can see it. It's gone. It's gone. We were walking, and the next thing I knew, it's, it's all gone. <laughs> okay, so now, now you are at the full manifestation. Until then, keep on walking in faith. Mm -mm. But yes, it, it's a wonderful moment. When it manifests fully, it is absolutely a wonderful moment. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Don't be a, don't be afraid to get loud sometimes in your thanksgiving and praise the Lord. After all he's done for you, don't be ashamed. Sometimes you need to get a little bit loud. Hallelujah. Thank you. So with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. 
So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Well, let's look at the nine just for a moment. Understand that if you would have been in that group of the ten, if you would have been in that group and suddenly, along with the other nine, you all realize, Oh, it's gone! Woo! Oh, it's gone! Hallelujah! It's gone! It's gone. And then you do your job. You go to the priest and he, he, uh, he certifies you. Yeah, you're good to go. Woo! Woo! You know, suddenly, it's like, it's like you're being picked up in a boat from a deserted island that you've been stranded on all by yourself for years. You're off the island. Oh, I can go see my mother. I can go see my father. I can go see my wife. I, I can do all of these things. And it, you get this burst of energy. You realize you've got your life back. Mm, that, that's what's going on with the nine. It, it's like ending. It's like ending a 40-day fast and realizing it's over. Oh, I can go eat. Hallelujah. I can go eat. But see, the one the one would be like, well, yes, I just finished a fast, but before I eat, I've got to go do something. The, for the one, it would be like, yes, I just got off the remote island. Uh, thank you for picking me up. Uh, but before you take me, uh, you know, to meet everybody, I've got to go do something first. And that's what the one did, is that he chose to be thankful. And I believe that when you practice Thanksgiving, I really do believe that you get, watch this, you get God's very best for your life. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I do prefer the King James Version in regards to this verse, where in the, the authorized version it says, your faith has made you whole. That's a better translation. Now, I'm going to share with you what I believe is really going on here in verse 19. When Jesus said, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. The word well or sometimes some translations use the word whole, is the Greek word sozo. And this word in the Greek means saved to the uttermost. It means full salvation. Full salvation. Now, you have to ask yourself this. When Jesus says to this man, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you Sozo. I believe what happened is that this leper who has been cleansed, I believe he moved into the blessing of a creative miracle where any disfigurement, any loss of anything, loss. Of, see, see, with leprosy, the first thing that goes is your nerves don't work and. That's, that's how St. Damien knew that he had leprosy. He accidentally put his foot in some boiling water, and he couldn't feel it. That's not good. That means you have the disease. You, you have no sense of feeling. 
So you can be losing a finger or something like that. And, oh, it's horrible. But I believe that any disfigurement that this man may have had, he's not only clean, okay, there's no open sores or wounds. There's no sores at all. He's totally clean. But I believe he went into sozo. I believe he went into fullness of healing, and he went literally from a healing into what we would call a miracle. And I, I don't think this is any stretch of Scripture at all to view it like that. Because remember, Naaman, when he came up out of that water after the seventh bathing, he came up and he had more than a healing. It's not just like the leprosy, you know, stopped working in his life. It says when he came up out of the water, his skin was like that of a little child. And this is an old man. I mean, that, that's, that's not just a healing. That's, that's in the miracle category. Wow. And I believe that that's what thankfulness will carry you into. It will carry you into not just a blessing, not just a healing, but it will actually take you over into the miracle realm where you get God's very best. And I believe as that man lay there with his face down, laying on the dirt, worshiping Jesus, accepting Jesus as his Messiah, I believe that, yes, his life was now right with God. But I also believe that when he stood up, there was no disfigurement on him, no, no evidence of scars, no evidence that he ever had leprosy ever before. Wow. Now that's full salvation, full deliverance, not half, not half healing, not a half miracle. That's the whole, that he got the whole thing. He got the whole thing. There really is something to this heart of thanksgiving. And it really takes faith to be thankful when your flesh wants to complain. But my friends, when we walk in thanksgiving, I think there is a door into the miraculous that thanksgiving is the key. There's not many doors, excuse me, there's not many keys to that door. But I, I would say, I would say that thanksgiving is one of them. Praise God. And that is a great takeaway from today's message. Now, please don't also skip this major uh, part here. Jesus said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, we've put an emphasis on whole, but also don't forget, Jesus did not put the emphasis on, My mighty power, work the miracle in you, that he did not put the focus on that. And undoubtedly, he was filled with the Spirit without measure. And you know there was power flowing through him. But he puts the focus on the receiver. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you so-so. Or, or not so-so, so-so. <laughs> Let me get the Z in there. Praise the Lord. So again, if you release your faith based upon God's word, God's promises, and you walk in thanksgiving, you're in a place where the miraculous can happen. So, yes, God has the anointing. God has the power. But God, he has to have the cooperation of your faith. You have to be in faith. You have to be in faith. Pulling on the anointing. Standing on the word. Praise God. And you'll see miracles take place. Especially, especially when we are thankful. 
And I would say that thank, thankfulness is never really convenient. <laughs> but it's something that if we just rise up and choose to be thankful, when a blessing happens or something really good happens or, you know, just as, as you go through life, you know, regardless of whatever, just be thankful. You know what? I, I believe you're going to see God's very best just show up in your life. And I believe when he stood up, it showed up. He's already healed. But this was the next level. This is sozo. This is wholeness. Wow. No fingers missing. This is wholeness. How, how can you be whole? If half your body's gone. Okay, so I believe he got the whole thing. Praise God, just like Naaman did. Hallelujah. Please lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. If there's anything missing in their life, and they're not experiencing sozo salvation, entire encapsulated full salvation, I pray that whatever would be missing would be restored back into their life. Now, Father, as your people rise up in faith and take a hold of your promises, I thank you for the moving of your spirit. I thank you for words of wisdom coming to them, supernatural instruction of what to do to walk out of that situation of defeat or sickness or disease or whatever it might be. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for answers coming to them, divine solutions. And I thank you that their faith will be strengthened as they continue to hear the word. I thank you for doing great healings and miracles in their life. And I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, today that your people are choosing to incorporate constant thanksgiving so that they may see the miraculous. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Now, Father, we seal this word by the blood of Jesus. This word will not be forgotten. This word will not be stolen by the enemy. This word is a seed sown into the hearts of your people that will produce 100-fold in the soil in the harvest of their heart. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Shout and say amen. Praise God. If you have been watching today's program, but you do not know Jesus, Messiah, as your personal Savior and Lord. I would like to give you an opportunity right now to meet the Master, to meet the great physician, to, greet, to meet the miracle worker. If you would like to give your heart to Him and you want to know Him, pray this prayer out loud right now. Say, Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. I don't have leprosy, but leprosy in many ways, represents sin. Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. Jesus, save me from my sins. Wash them all away and give me a new heart. Come into my heart, Jesus. I make you my Lord and Savior now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me right now. Amen. Amen. He has heard your prayer. You now belong to him. You now have his newness of life living on the inside of you. Now serve the Lord all the days of your life. If you're watching me and you're a backslidden Christian, you have fallen away from God and you're in a dangerous place. Come back right now. Come back to the Savior of your soul. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. And I wander no more. I come back to you now. Jesus, wash my sins away. Restore me unto right relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for your love and your mercy. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Praise God. My friends, it's a glorious day. It's a beautiful day. It's a new day in the Lord. Let's now take Holy Communion. I want to invite you to, enjoy, to join me. Grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. You could use a cracker, whatever you have available. And I would encourage you to grab some grape juice. That's what I have here in the cup. But we're going to pray over it. We're going to bless it. And this will become the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we bless this bread, this juice. We set it apart now as holy. This is now the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. Father, thank you as we receive the body of Jesus. We thank you that we walk in faith. We keep on walking. And as we walk, you're doing miracles in our life. We believe it. We believe it. Things are changing. Things are changing. We thank you, Father God, for the power of your spoken word. We hold to it. We believe it. Our circumstances are changing for good. Hallelujah. And Father, we receive that word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, that salvation is for the whole world. Even the Gentile, Samaritan, he got his miracle, and he got him a Savior. Woo! Thank you, Father God. <laughs> I thank you, Father, there's power in the blood. And as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for forgiveness of our sins. We thank you that we have put our faith and trust fully in Jesus. He is our Messiah. He is the Savior of the world, and we belong to him, and we are safe, O oh God, in you. Thank you, Father God. And we say, Maranatha, may the Lord return quickly. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise God. Let's close with this verse. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Keep on going. Your miracle is about to manifest. Thank you for joining me. On today's program, I look forward to seeing you back next time. Thank you for partnering with us and standing with us as we are endeavoring to refresh the two internet studios. Together we can do it. Praise God. And we can continue to present the gospel in a spirit of excellence and joy. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.